Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Two hunters were out hunting one day, and they stumbled upon what appeared to be an abandoned farm. The barn was sagging, the house was in disrepair, and there were junk cars all over the front lawn and car parts scattered throughout the front lawn. And the only thing that made this really a, a working farm was the fact that there were a few chickens pecking away and a goat wandering around. As they entered the yard, they came across a well. One asked to the other, wonder how deep that well is. The other said, well, you know, the only way to really find out is to take something and drop it down there and listen for the splash. So they looked around the yard and and finally, they saw the only thing that was really close by was an old transmission. They both hauled it over and dumped it down the well. They counted and waited to hear the splash. Ho, 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 ho. It was a deep one, all right. They turned, and as they were getting ready to journey to try to find the farmer to get permission to hunt, all of a sudden they see this goat charging right at them. Horns down, head down, straight at them. At the last moment, the hunters jump aside. The goat went right past them and went right down into the deep, deep well. They looked at each other, startled and amazed. As they started to leave, the owner of the farm came up to them, and they started chatting for a few moments, and they did get permission to hunt on his land. The farmer asked, hey, by the way, have you seen my goat? They said, your goat almost killed us. It was charging right at us. You should have that goat tied up. The farmer said, well, I thought I had him tied up to an old transmission. <laughs> you follow what you're tied to. You follow what you're tied to. And thanks be to God that in our baptisms, we are tied to the Lord God Almighty, and we are made children of God. And not only does God journey with us through every step of our journeys through this life, but we are called to do the same because we are tied together. Today in our Old Testament lesson, we hear a story about Moses and God. And in this passage, God calls Moses up to a mountain. It's an incredible invitation to meet God. And then what will happen is he brings the commandments and he'll bring them down the mountain. These commandments will, will shape a band of runaway slaves into a people. Lucky Moses. But then he spends six long days waiting for God's call to come up higher. See, God's call called him from base camp with the Israelites, called him up, and there was this cloud around Mount Sinai. And there Moses waited. He waited for God to call him up higher to meet God face to face for the Ten Commandments. In the meantime, while he was waiting, he was neither with the Israelites nor with God, but he was between the present and God's new thing. How many of you like to wait? Anybody? I'm not really into waiting myself. I don't even like for my internet to be slow. I don't like traffic. How about you? What are some of the things that you don't like to wait for or in? This is called a dialogue. There's not a whole lot of you here. We can get away with it, okay? So, what are some things that you don't like to wait for? Tracy. Lines to the bathroom at 40 minutes. Lines to the bathroom at 40 minutes. Have you noticed that it's a lot worse for women than it is for guys? 
But you know what? Here's the thing. Fellas, am I right? Why is it that, you know, the other day I was at uh, Central College Presbyterian Church, and I accidentally walked into the women's restroom rather than the men's. I know. The door was open. I just walked in. Anyway, no one was in there. And have you noticed, fellas, that the women's restrooms are always like a lounge? We get troughs. Have you noticed this? Anyway, okay, we go off on a tangent. But, okay, what are some other things that you don't like to wait for? Wow, oh, everyone's talking now. Okay, yeah, that's true. Tax returns, doctor's office. Isn't that funny at the doctor's office? If you're late, you get a charge. But once you get there, it's like an hour later before you're seen. Anyways, sorry if there's any doctors here. I apologize, but it's true. Okay, I don't like to wait. And you know, the more wonderful the new thing that you're waiting for to come, the harder it is to wait. Am I right? How many of you like Christmas? And you're just so excited about Christmas. Oh, you think you figured out what that person got you. You just can't wait to get it. You can't wait for it to be here. You want that new car, that new house, that gift. You want that new job to hurry up and get here. You can't wait for that relative or friend to hurry up and arrive or come home. How many of us have children? And remember that when as soon as their birthday came in sight, all you heard about for a month was their birthday. I have two children. Both of them are in birthdays in the month of March. I have been planning their parties or hearing about their parties since January 1st. <laughs> yes, the more wonderful and new thing that's coming, the harder it is to wait. But when, when that moment finally arrives, it can feel like it even came to all too soon. When my first child was born, I was struck, and I had a really unready I felt. How long those six days must have been for Moses? Up on the mountain, away from his people, and not quite face-to-face with God. Already, but not yet. Between the present and God's new thing. But you see, Moses wasn't alone in those six days. He was with God in the promise that God had made to him. And he sent him back with a gift for all people. Verse 16 in our reading from Exodus says, On the seventh day, God called Moses out of the cloud. Let's take a look at this for just a second if we can. It might help to try to understand the symbolic meaning of numbers in the Bible. In a creation story, God worked for how many days? Six days. And on the seventh day, he rested, right? In this lesson, Moses rested for six days and was called into action on the seventh While it's true that Moses probably did need the rest before this period of intensity with God, it's also true that this exact reversal of the creation story says something to us about who is in charge and whose creating power is bringing a future into being for God's people. Moses doesn't spend the six days creating. Moses spends six days waiting on the creative power of God. To bring about another way, a new beginning for God's people. Moses recognizes that there ha- if there's going to be a new life, a new way, it has to come from God. I know many of us have been waiting for a new lead pastor to come on board here at St. Paul. And as of today, it's been one year, five months, and two days since Pastor Charlie left. Not that I've been counting. I have an app for that. Okay. To tell you the truth, honestly, the call committee has been doing a fantastic job. A fantastic job as they have been 
working diligently on behalf of the church council and the congregation to find the right person to be the lead pastor. The call committee and the church council have been very dedicated to the best interests of this congregation. But it's tough, isn't it? That was hard news last week for you to hear, wasn't it? It's tough to wait. Whether it be a new lead pastor, a test result, news of an upcoming surgery, waiting to see if chemo or radiation will work, or if your job will even exist next year, whatever it is that you're waiting on, we know this and we must take God's lesson to heart. God is with us every step of the way. God is so great that God even fills times of hard waiting with his life-giving presence. Moses was summoned up to God on the top of Mount Sinai where he would spend 40 days and 40 nights up on a mountain. In scripture, the number 40 signifies times where God, God's people find out more about their strength of character. It frequently, as in Jesus' case, as he's called out into the wilderness, clarifies the shape of a person's calling in life. Let's take this time as a congregation. No, it hasn't been 40 days, but let's take this time, this period to discern who we are as a congregation's disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's take this time as a positive thing to discern our mission, discern our purpose. What is important to us as a congregation, both individually and corporate? What is the best way to discern how we go about doing God's work with our hands? Let's discern, let's pray, let's discuss what it means to be St. Paul Evangelical Lutheran Church at 4686 East Walnut Street in Westerville, Ohio. And how the blessings of our faithful God have showered both our past and our present as we discern God's calling voice for the direction of our future. Did you notice how the Old Testament lesson in Exodus and the, new, and the gospel lesson of the transfiguration kind of wove, were woven together today? I hope you did, because there's a lot of similarities. If you recall, Matthew is the gospel writer who likes to, to write in Moses-colored glasses. At the beginning of the gospel, King Herod is kind of like Pharaoh. He's going to go kill the baby, going to go kill him. Uh, Baby Jesus, ironically, ended up fleeing to Egypt, which is where the Israelites fled from. But in this text, the parallels to Moses are not very subtle. Jesus is also up on a mountaintop with just a few companions. There's a cloud on both those mountains. God speaks. People are transformed, transfigured. Moses' face glows, Scripture tells us, glows when he leaves the mountain showing that you cannot be in the presence of God and not be changed. When Moses comes down from the mountain, the people are afraid of him because his face was so altered. His appearance was so altered. So Moses had to wear a veil over his face in public. And Matthew tells us that Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Moses himself makes an appearance at Jesus' transfiguration, appearing with Elijah, making it clear that Jesus embodies both the teachings of the law and of the prophets. So why the similarities? In one sense, both texts prepare a people for a long journey. Moses and the Israelites will spend 40, days in the 40 years in the wilderness, 
preparing to enter the promised land. Immediately before the transfiguration story we heard this morning, Jesus' disciples heard difficult news. Now, it's probably not 40 years in the wilderness, but Jesus' followers are preparing for a different kind of journey. We'll begin that same journey on Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday at 7.30, with our 40-day Lenten journey to the crucifixion of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16 says, From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed on the third day and raised. Jesus takes along Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and Jesus is transfigured before them. God's voice appears out of the heavens, and Peter, James, and John fall down prostrate in fear. But what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches out a hand, touches them, and says, Get up, and do not be afraid. And in that divine, transfigured touch, I wonder if the disciples began to understand in a new way what it meant for Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us, God with them. Moses saw God face to face, carrying down God's love and law to the people, but it left him unable to be in the presence of his people without a veil. The disciples saw God face to face in the person of Jesus Christ. They felt God's touch on their shoulder and heard God say to them, get up and do not be afraid. Jesus comes to us in our times of waiting, in our times that happen in this life that we don't understand, that confuse us, that makes us anxious, and Christ comes to us and touches us and tells us, get up, do not be afraid. He doesn't say that the journey won't be as bad as we expected it to be. But in this presence, in this transfigured, bright, shining glory, we are reminded by Christ himself that we are not alone. That the very presence of God is with us on our journey. We see him face to face, the journey to the cross, the journey to death, the journey to loss, the journey to pain, the journey of waiting is one that is only taken in the presence of God. One of the greatest gifts of ministry is the privilege I have of being with you until in in those moments when your life and your world is turned upside down by harsh or horrible news. And I've seen many of you go down that mountainside, that path you really didn't want to take voluntarily. But my prayer for you always is that you will feel Jesus' hand on your shoulder and hear his voice saying, get up. And do not be afraid. I am with you. Nothing makes bad news go away. But God's presence in our lives gets us through it. And opens, up, opens us up to beauty and grace. And gives us new paths to journey on together. So finally, as we prepare for our Lenten journey, remember Emmanuel, God with us. This journey cannot take us anywhere where God is not present. And a large part of our our journey together as a congregation is, is celebration and joy. But a part of our life together also is a journey to the cross, where we are called to be present through it all and to help each other hear the transfigured voice of Jesus Christ saying, get up and do not be afraid. So let us put our faith in God. Let us listen together for God's calling voice. And may we journey together this Lenten season 
for we are not alone. Amen.